anniversary of Russia's annexation of Crimea. To the party in terms of hiking rates. Unbelievable journey, I have to say, Becky. Look, we're talking about nine years. A proper dent into sort of the negative narrative that has burdened the continent for so long. Oil prices doing right now, supply demand dynamics still very much in flux. Network of influence within the government that went right to the top. Hi there, welcome to the Look for Strength podcast where we share exceptional stories from exceptional individuals around the world for exceptional listeners. I'm Amay Look and I'm your host. I think that you can try and break some of those negative cycles. And if you think big and you allow yourself to think big and you believe in your thoughts and you believe in your abilities and yourself, there is no way that you will not do well. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Eleni Jokos, a Dubai-based CNN anchor and correspondent. She has over 15 years of experience in TV, digital, radio, and print media. Some of her notable interviews have been with heads of state, such as Jacob Zuma, the former South African president, and good luck Jonathan, the former Nigerian president. She's reported from all around the world at events such as the World Economic Forum in Davos, the UN General Assembly, and she's chaired debates at various forums, namely at Davos and the IMF. Hi Eleni, thank you so much for joining us today on the Look for Strength podcast. How are you doing? Great to be on. I'm good. I know I just gave a very brief overview of some of the highlights of your career, but would you maybe be able to outline personally and professionally what you think the moments in your career were that really propelled your career forward? So it's such a loaded question because I think, um, (laughs) you know, there's certain sort of small personal feats that felt, you know, enormously satisfying and gratifying. And there were a lot of professional ones. So let's start with some of the personal things that sort of came my way. Um, When I was a university student, I, you know, trusted my gut when I walked past the community radio station that had a big sign that said, you know, we're taking applications for DJs and newsreaders. And I applied to be a newsreader because I was kind of a geek and I was really into sort of news and sort of I was studying philosophy and anthropology at the time and fine arts and graphic design. I was very kind of artistic, but into, you know, very you know sort of huge cultural, socioeconomic things that were, you know, very interesting to me. And then I got that job and that was, it was, it was really satisfying to know that I trusted my gut and I followed my instinct on such a small thing, like just looking at a sign and saying, I need to apply and not just walking past and walking up those stairs and applying for that job and getting that. And then I think from a sort of more macro perspective, when I was able to break through into television and it really all came down to just trusting my instinct on every one of those paths. Um, When I joined CNBC at the time, I was, I barely had any financial experience. In fact, I knew nothing. Um, And again, I just pushed, 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 and I persevered, and I really hustled to get a job there. We can go through some of those moments um, later. Um, And then the first time I was on television, it was just incredibly satisfying. But I knew that I had to make an impression so that I could get more opportunities, right? You don't want to mess up your first time on TV because then no one else is going to let you back on. And then CNN called because they called me. That was just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, these guys picked me up on um, other networks and they really liked my work. And they were like, hey, you know, we really want to interview you. Do you want to come over? And um, I did well during the interview and they hired me. 
And that was great. And then sort of other big moments in my career within CNN was, you know, anchoring for Richard Quest. They flew me over to New York and they were like, great, we want you to fill in for Richard Quest. And if you know anything about CNN, you would know that Richard Quest is sort of the mainstay guy. He's like mm-hmm. you know, the big finance ec- economic dude that, you know, blows people away with his bigger than life personality and his incredible approach to the way he does things. And then there I was in New York from South Africa, from a tiny little coal mining town, sitting in this chair in one of the most incredible studios I'd ever seen and then filling in for him. Um, so, and then now being in Dubai, which is of course also incredible, but it's, it's those moments that I think were incredibly satisfying and that helped propel me um, to where I am today. What were some of the most important skills and attributes that you either had or that you learned along the way that were most important in your career as a journalist so far? I think there's so many things that you you need to focus on. So I think if I had go, to go back in my career, and I've, I kind of got, have to go back in time because I think one tends to forget what you need. Um, I think the most important um, attribute I had in my early 20s was I wouldn't take no for an answer. And there was nothing in my mind that I couldn't do. There was nothing that someone said, please, Eleni, could you do this? And then I would say, well, I don't have the skill. There was That didn't exist in my mind. So I think you need to know how to hustle. I think you need to know how to be resilient and bounce back. So you need these personality traits. And you also need to be highly ambitious. So that's really going to help you push through some very tough um, experiences. But I think in terms of actual skill, you need to read and read and read and not stop reading. You need to understand history. You need to have a really good bank of context in your mind, whether it's about economics or or politics or anything that's around you. And you need to be absolutely observant to your surroundings. You know, what is happening around you? What are the inflation rates? What is happening with an interest rates in in the country that you're in? How much is your dollar worth? What, what are people going through around you that have a different upbringing? If you don't have those skills and you're not observant, um, you're not going to be a good journalist. And then the other attributes that you absolutely need is to um, write. If you don't know how to write, then you should learn very quickly. And, and it's something you can learn. I think people are very um, afraid of the thought of writing well or writing for television or writing for a digital um, platform, but you skill that you can absolutely learn. So you spoke about reading and being up to date with the world. What resources do you personally use to stay up to date or uh, be aware of what's going around? Well, secretly I scroll through Instagram like crazy. I'm like (laughs) one of those those scrollers. Um, Look, I use a lot of social media and social media is actually really interesting because you're going to pick up a lot of sort of cultural things that are happening that you might find fascinating that might be speaking to, you know, a wider trend um, or pop culture, for example. And it's good to absorb that information, right? So it's different scrolling without intent. And it's it's another thing scrolling with intent and following, you know, interesting influences and people because you could pick up some really interesting pop culture things that could feed into a wider story that you could write about. Then Twitter is another big thing because I I really enjoy following some sort of very intellectual pages um, and people that help me sort of 
di- you know, dissect complex issues. And sometimes I follow people that I don't agree with because I think you need to understand what everyone is thinking. And then, of course, you need to read some of the really strong publications like the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times. Um, depending on what you're into, you need to you know, get yourself like four or five go-to things. And look, not everyone can afford to have subscriptions, so you try and wait for some of these stories to become freely available or you try and find something that's written on those topics that you're interested in. But you have to try and find avenues to um, explore. Right. And kind of shifting, having reported in all of the different countries that you've reported in around the world, have you kind of noticed any significant differences in reporting practices or any norms across these different cultures? Yes, I have noticed a lot. I think it was very different to when I started out. Um, And also, you know, I come from Africa and I was, you know, my first gig was in South Africa and we didn't have you know, a huge amount of people watching over us, checking every little thing that we said um, during our mm-hmm. reports. I think as time went on, and I think as lo- you know, a lot more journalists were becoming um, a focal point and they were being criticized. I think journalists generally became a lot more watertight in their reporting and made sure that they had you know, enough sources to verify what they were saying. And mm-hmm. I definitely have been a, a lot more diligent in the way that I report. And CNN has been incredible with that. Like, I think if you look at the checks and balances that occur within CNN, it is insane. So when people say you guys are fake news, you're just, you know, you're spewing fake information. Like, trust me, that is not what we do. You know, we we have... We have people that are constantly like Eleni. I'll get people telling me, Eleni, you said South Africa is the most unequal country in the world. Where did you get that? And I'll be like, the World Bank said it. When did they say it? Send me a link. You know, and I, I mean, it's pretty serious stuff. Like, we you know we don't just report and say anything we want to say indiscriminately on air. You know, it's it's yeah. definitely um, it's definitely watched over quite closely. Right. And in the various interviews you've done with especially prominent business leaders and heads of state, have there been moments when you felt overwhelmed or been thrown a curveball? And how did you deal with that? Um, Yes. So I think I remember as a young journalist, as a young girl, I was young. I, I was about 24 years old and I was, you know, being put into an environment where I have to interview listed company CEOs um, for their financial results. And I remember walking into the room and um, their team, as well as the CEO, would just look at me going, uh, what is this person? Do? Like, where's the journalist? And I would say, well, I'm the journalist and I'm doing the interview. And they're like, well, what do you know? You look too young to do this. And I remember feeling completely overwhelmed in those moments because I would sit in the chair and I would look at these old men because I mean let's face it especially when you know I mean we talk about sort of I guess it was like what year was that I think 2007-2008 it was still very much white male dominated in South Africa in those high positions and um, they would they would definitely underestimate your skills so when I'd start those interviews I was like I'd just go in strong I mean if because I used to prep so hard, I was like ready for anything and I would totally blow them away. And because they underestimated me, they were the ones that were stumbling (laughs) over their answers, not me stumbling over my questions. And I find myself in that position often, you know, when I interviewed Bill Gates and Richard Branson, all these like top guys that are super intellectual and, you know, super important, you have to try and, 
you know, find the strength within yourself um, to be able to deal with them and understand that, yes, they're in their position because of their journey, but you need to understand that you're in that position at that moment in time to ask questions and you shouldn't feel intimidated by their status. Um, And that was a really big learning curve for me. And especially coming from um, a very underprivileged background where I grew up Um, you know, in a very small coal mining town in South Africa with very few opportunities and hustling my way out of there into what I was doing. I had a lot of self-confidence issues and I felt like I hadn't, didn't have, you know, good enough education. And I felt that I wasn't good enough to be in those positions. And it's still something that sort of haunts me. Um, But my advice to people listening is that, you know, you're exactly where you need to be. And if you hustle and you work hard and you're prepared, you're basically untouchable. So you've talked a bit about your experience as a young journalist. I was wondering if you've taken the initiative to mentor any aspiring journalists or younger journalists who you kind of see yourself in. Yeah, and I'm glad you asked that. Um, I have to say, because I literally hustled my way into what I'm doing now, um, I, I had a couple of rules when I was starting out. Because I think when people start out, they think they need to trample over others to become successful. I can tell you that that's not the way. Maybe some people do that. Um, maybe, you know, there's collateral damage for a lot of people um, in terms of getting to the position that they want. I never did that. And um, I always I had this inside me. I just I was very fortunate that I just wanted to lead with love and everyone thought I was a bit egalitarian and they were like, oh. you know, you've got to be more realistic and you, you know, you have to be like cutthroat and you need to be like ruthless. And I'm, I'm like, that is not my personality. It wasn't it wasn't my personality. And I think if I had been ruthless, I probably would have been far further in my career, by the way. Um, <laughs> but when I joined, I promise you, I promise you, I actually people trample over me because I wanted to pick my fights. I just wanted to pick my fights. I didn't want to get into every single fight and altercation because I had incredible mentors. So when you say, who did I lift up in my journey? Before I can talk about who I helped lift up, I I want to talk about my mentors. So firstly, I went in to this work with a clean conscious and heart. I wanted to do well and I didn't want to trample over anyone. I wanted to focus on my abilities, being good at what I was doing and not doing that at the expense of others. But then I had an incredible thing that happened to me. I had mentors around me. I, I, I literally built so many people around me that were on my side, that were my advocates. And um, I had a woman called Bronwyn Nielsen, who's still such a good friend of mine. And she was a senior anchor at the time at CNBC. And she took me under her wing. And she was very hardcore with me. She was like, you know, you need to study this. And you don't know this. And, you know, you're useless at this. And she, she was really tough. But she she didn't, she wanted me to succeed. And because she was tough, it was tough love in the beginning, I really started to flourish. Um, and then I had more sort of softer approach mentors around me who were also very much of the view that don't trample over people, help uplift. And um, from the moment I started my career, I always uplifted my producers, the interns. I would always ask them about what they wanted to do. So I think the first thing you do when you have someone in your environment that's your junior is you engage with them and you say, you know, what is it that you want to do? And sometimes they'll say, well, I want to be in front of the camera. And then you're like, great. Okay, let me see how I can help you. So then you try and upskill them um, or you give them opportunities. I'll give you an example of my um, intern now who went on holiday to Romania 
And because the war is playing out literally on the border of Romania and Ukraine, uh, we encouraged her to film a story. And then we got that story on end when she came back. Now, this is an intern fresh out of university. So that's how you empower people. I've actually helped so many young women in the process over the past in my entire career you know it was it's been and it's been such a pleasure to watch them flourish every time I've left a role I've always made sure that there was a successor and that I was the one who helped mentor them to take over my my role and my job um and building successes and building people around you that are better than you is actually so important because it makes you stronger if that makes sense So how do you prepare for your interviews? How do you come up with questions? How do you do your research? Uh, You know, how I come up with my questions, I always ask myself, you know, what does the the audience want to hear? You know, what is the most interesting thing about um, the company or the person that I'm, you know, talking about? Sometimes it's really difficult. Like when I interviewed Bill Gates, I was like, I really think I messed that interview up, by the way, because I just wanted to about so many things and I was like oh I just kind of lost the plot I should have just focused on one thing as opposed to trying to focus on 10 things right um you do research you I read probably about 10 articles about um that person or that company and then I see what people are saying I maybe watch an old interview that they did and then I think oh I wonder how I can expand on that thought or that idea or I think about current news flow and I think is this the right person to comment on that specific news flow and you've got to think about you know what that person does right so sometimes now with this war if we're interviewing a soldier in Ukraine you've got to ask them how they're doing and how their family is and you've got to ask you know what they're up to and how they're coping and do they have water do they have resources and do they think they're going to win the war right so versus speaking to the World Bank president which we had a couple of weeks ago where we're saying okay what's the World Bank doing to help alleviate the food crisis in Africa that's been prompted by the war in Ukraine so all of these thing, things require a lot of deep thinking um, and you always have to try and make sure that you take time to prep. And if you don't have time, your team should have done that for you to hand over some questions. But to be honest with you, you know, at my age, you have built such an incredible bank of context mm-hmm. that you will already know how to do follow-up questions and ask specific things because these themes are so vital. Here are some final words from Eleni to close off the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Look for Strength podcast, and I look forward to seeing you soon. You have to pick your fights. You have to hold firm and be strong. You have to not look left, not look right, look straight ahead and be courteous at all times and ensure that you focus on the end goal. Like you have to ask yourself, if today this person says this to me that completely throws me off balance and derails me and makes me cry, right? Or upsets me, is it worth it? Because where am I going to be two and three and four and five years from now? And is this human significant in the long term? Promise you that person is not significant and they will mean (laughs) bloody nothing in five years. That, that is what you need to focus on. And that's my advice. <laughs>